welcome to the 22nd episode of The Week with Roger, a conversation between analysts about all things telecom, media, and technology from Recon Analytics. I'm Don Kellogg, and with me as always is Roger Etner. How are you doing, Roger? I'm great. How are you, Don? I'm good. So fans of the podcast will know that we talk about Open RAN a fair amount. Uh, we thought we'd bring in another perspective uh, for our conversation today. So we asked Mike Dano, who is the editorial director for 5G and mobile strategies at Light Reading, to join us on the podcast to talk about it. How you doing, Mike? I'm good. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Yeah. How would you characterize the state of Open RAN today, both in terms of deployments on the ground, as well as interests in the companies that make up the Open RAN ecosystem among the network operators? Who do you think should be doing Open RAN? Yeah, I mean, it is definitely an interesting topic, and there's a ton of stuff going on. And so, you know, in my in my job at Light Reading, I probably written dozens of stories on Open RAN, and I expect to at least double that, if not more, in the months and, and weeks ahead, because it's just there's a ton going on on this topic. And as you guys know, from a from a broad perspective, it's kind of a big development in the wireless industry because it allows network operators to mix and match vendors inside of their networks, you know, whereas before they bought the full stack from Nokia or Ericsson, now they have the opportunity to slide in a Mavenir for one component or slide in an Airspan for another component because of the sort of Lego style that Open RAN brings to network network design and construction. So it's a big development for sure. There's a lot of interest in it from a lot of different vendors, some of the big guys and, and a number of sort of tier two and tier three vendors that are that are hoping that Open RAN creates an opening for them to begin supplying to some of these big operators. But I think that there's a lot of noise around Open RAN, and increasingly there's a lot of noise around Open RAN from the political perspective. It's become this, it's suddenly pivoted into this significant political discussion around whether it will, you know, help secure networks against threats of Chinese espionage and stuff. And so there's, there's that whole component of that. But in terms of actual real world deployments on the ground, and there are some definite commercial deployments, but, you know, I think it's uh, still in the very small percentages of overall deployments. And I think in here in the U.S., we've certainly heard a lot of commentary about it from some of the operators, but there have been no major commitments toward it. There's been a lot of like, we're looking at it, we're experimenting with it, but, you know, no firm commitments, unlike in places like Europe. Well, you you do have the commitments. When you look at the muscle that put, you know, for example, AT&T or or Verizon behind Open RAN, there is the development going on. A little bit less then maybe in Europe, I'm, you're right, because a lot of this was like kickstarted by Telefonica and, and Vodafone. But it's a little bit harder for one of the tier one U.S. carriers to do this because it's like changing the engine of your plane in mid-flight, right? But I would say if you're at a breakpoint, meaning you either build a new network or you are forced to to switch it out. Open RAN and 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 SDN, which kind of goes hand in hand, is the way to go. You, you know, I have to question your your critical reasoning skills if you if you don't do it. If you are investing in 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 the old technology, right? I mean, I, I totally agree with that. And we've certainly seen, you know, Rakuten in Japan. They've, I think, they're 
absolutely proving this whole thing out. They've, they selected Open mm-hmm. RAN. They, they embraced the principles as well as the initial specifications in their network. And their network is it's up and running. I mean, it's, you know, they've got uh, more than a million wow. customers, you know, using it today, which, you know, in terms of an Open RAN poster child, uh, I don't think you could do better than Rakuten. And here in the U.S., we've got, you know, Dish Network, who has made it a very, very big part of their strategy. They, they haven't launched commercially yet, but uh, they've certainly embraced Open RAN. Uh, and so, I've, and and I think you're right, Roger, that, there, that there's they're doing that for for a specific set of reasons, and I I think their logic is is certainly sound. The issue that I have though is that if you're an AT and T and you're sort of promoting Open RAN, I think the best thing you could do is invest in Open RAN providers and then also commit to some open ran build out targets. And we haven't really seen any of the big US operators do that and really some of the operators in Europe that that are I'd say a little bit further along in their support of open ran, they also have not done that to a significant degree based on the comments that they're making on the political side that you know open ran is the future, it'll secure our networks. If that were true, you'd you'd expect a little bit more putting their money where their mouth is kind of thing. Well, a, a lot of that is coming. By the way, the even bigger story that nobody talks about, Open RAN, is actually Geo in India. They have actually more customers than our friends at, at Rakuten, but they don't talk about it. And it's a, it's a really big deployment. When you look towards Europe, you know, the one that everybody looks at from a political side is the UK. And in the UK, a lot of it has to do about about security and and the the fear of basically Huawei being able to control the communications networks in 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 the UK, and they do the logical step and instead of going with another full stack one vendor solution, they are pushing Open RAN because it allows them to get around the, oh, you can only pick this one vendor or you can't pick this one vendor to, you can pick anybody and if you act up, we can very easily remove you. It's very encouraging here. And and as a result, Vodafone made the announcement that basically, what, 27,000 sites are are up for grabs. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's those those are some substantial uh, stakes in the ground that, that that some of the UK operators have, and I I wouldn't be surprised if AT and T and Verizon would would eventually get to a similar position where they're you know saying X number of sites are going to be open ran by you know whatever time frame. Though I, I have to say that you know there's a lot of that discussion around the security around open ran about how it will uh, help companies and countries protect against threats from from vendors like Huawei or espionage from countries like China. I have to wonder about that because of a number of things that, and I have to give a hat tip to my colleague Ian Morris at Light Reading, who has covered this extensively. But, you know, he's pointed out that there's Chinese companies on the board, on the, uh, in the membership of the uh, ORAN Alliance that's developing some of these specifications, which sort of raises some concerns. There's a concerns about the intellectual property rights that are, that are around these open RAN specifications and whether that's going to, you know, come back to bite some of these vendors in the butt. And then there's also the uh, the question of, of security and whether 
you know, if you select the, the, the Rakuten flavor of Open RAN and whether you select the Docomo flavor of Open RAN and whether those standards are going to be interoperable, I think that the promise of Open RAN is, is certainly uh, compelling, but I, I wonder whether a lot of these discussions around particularly security are premature at this All point. Right. I think there is a nuance that I think we have to address. In the end, with Open RAN and SDN, it really depends, do you trust your vendor, yes or no? And the threshold for trust goes lower with SDN and Open RAN than with a full-stack solution. It's because you can so much more easily rip out or replace that one single vendor. With a full-stack solution, it will take you years. If you use the control plane for for your 4 and 5G network with software, you can do that in a week. So it's lowering that, that cost of switching dramatically. And it doesn't matter if you switch for security reasons or if you switch for commercial reasons. Because the other thing that Open RAN and, and SDN does is it... It changes the power in a negotiating relationship much more again towards the carrier. And we saw that, for example, with ONAP, right? AT&T virtualized its core and deliberately picked small companies. The problem is these small companies then all got bought up by the big companies. And so in a way, you know, we're back to square one plus a couple billionaires more in, in the process. But yeah, Open RAN per se is not more secure than anything else because Open Open RAN is not open source, right? You are still having proprietary solution that are closed boxes. It's just that these boxes all fit together like Legos and work together and you can easily change it out and you can pick the best solution for whatever you want to. But the open RAN equipment from vendor one and vendor two are equally secure or insecure, right? It, you just can change out much more quickly. Doesn't the Lego brick nature of the way open RAN works really kind of place the burden on the operator in terms of figuring out how to make it all work? I mean, I know Neville Ray has said, that he wants, you know, one neck to choke, right? When he's talking to his vendors, how how is Open RAN solving for kind of that single point of contact or kind of simplified network operations piece? You're absolutely right. You need a more mature internal tech organization. Now, from from Neville Neville's perspective, I fully agree. He has a two thousand site a month plus build schedule and he needs to execute. When he's done and in steady state, I have no doubt that they will jump on the open RAN thing. I, I talked with Neville several years ago about them going with software-defined networking. And at that time, they were still standalone. And, you know, I'm sure I'm not betraying any secrets. He says, I'm way too small for this. If I would have 100 million customers, I would migrate to that too, because then I have the economies of scale. Well, he's he has his 100 million. I think when he's in a steady state network, again, 
they will go software-defined networking and a virtualized core and all these wonderful things. And they will go open RAN. The same thing with AT&T and, and Verizon. It is just much easier when you're a greenfield operator to do this than if you if you serve 100 million customers. So what is the breakpoint here? I, you know, I'm hearing that you know if you're building a new network from the ground up, it makes a lot of sense to go with Open RAN. But to date, we haven't really seen any of the kind of major established network operators, at least in the U.S., taking a bite at the apple, right? So what has to change in Open RAN? Does the standard have to develop and become more mature? Do we have to see more examples uh, in the wild of Open RAN succeeding uh, for the, for adoption really ramp up? Yeah, I've I've been I've been wondering the the same myself. I I kind of wonder when you know when we'll see this in developed markets, particularly in the U.S. And I I kind of wonder if the uh, the C band auction is going to be a milestone because you know if the auction is over and operators will soon be putting those spectrum licenses to use with new equipment, will this be an opportunity to use Open RAN? From the initial conversations I've had with some of the operators and some of the vendors, the sort of commentary is that you know probably not that that Open RAN will probably not be used for initial C band deployments. But you know depending on how much steam this all this whole Open RAN trend picks up and also how how soon the uh, specifications are sort of hammered down and, and locked down and, and considered, you know, final and interoperability is, is, you know, really proven out to everyone's liking. I would expect that to change, but uh, I, I think it's more of a, I mean, based on my discussions with some of the players involved, it, it certainly looks like more of a two to three to five year story rather than end of this year kind of thing. I would agree with like more the two-year time frame. I think what we're seeing here with with Dish, I think we will see probably the cable guys that are building out their own network to do the same. We have two billion dollars to play with for for rural carriers, right? There would be a a prime example, and these guys and rural America deserves cutting-edge technology rather than investing in last year's technology. I know that there are initiatives at play to make that happen, right? There's the political will, there's the money, and I think the vendors are starting to line up there. The rip and replace program is is certainly an interesting an interesting uh, procedure to watch unfold. But I wonder about that, Roger, about whether Open RAN is is the right choice for a rip and replace program funded by the by the two billion that the FCC got from Congress. I know that there's there's been a filing from one of the uh, smaller network operators in Alaska just this week, and they said that they're going to have to because of the Huawei rip and replace requirements, they're going to have to tear out their their Huawei radios and also the all the switches, all the network switches yes. that run their network because they're so interlinked. And boy, wouldn't Open RAN solve that problem? You could just yeah. you know back out one component and slot in a new one. I know that the CCA, the trade association that represents a lot of those smaller carriers has specifically asked not to have technology mandates around Open RAN, that it be an option, but only an option, one that they could use, but not necessarily have to use. And I, I have to imagine that that's what a lot of the, the network operators are thinking, putting the Open RAN orchestration requirements onto an operator that might have a, a, a networking team of 10 or 20 people certainly sounds like a... a, a, a Way less. A, <laughs> yeah, way way less. Less. You're very optimistic there, but 
I understand why why Steve Barry and and the CCA wants to have more flexibility. By the way, that filing highlights one of the drivers for CRAN is because Huawei became less and less interoperable with other vendors. And so once you buy into Huawei, you can even less mix and match than if you have a, a Nokia or Ericsson or, or Samsung network. Open RAN, I, I always view as, and, and Huawei is a very interesting example, by the way, because Huawei did a lot of work on Open RAN and then stopped because Open RAN is the weapon of the insurgents. And the standard full stack is the is the weapon of the established carrier. And Huawei turned into the the on a global scale, the number one established carrier. So they did everything they could to shoot that down and slow it down, right? Yeah. And that's, I guess, not a surprise, right? I mean, if you're in a, if you're in a dominant position, why would you, you know, create openings for insurgents? It certainly makes sense from a strategic point of view. I do feel a pang of uh, concern for any of the, you know, established operators that are going to have to wade into this open RAN issue and pick and choose and whether their Lego pieces are going to be able to match up, I think is, is still somewhat of an open question. And I think that that's the, the concerns that certainly Neville Ray has and, and other top executives from the operators, whether they're going to be able to follow the instructions and assemble the uh, Lego toy or whether they're mm-hmm. going to be left with a bunch of pieces that don't necessarily go together. I think that I think that's still an outstanding concern. Well, in general, it's a different mindset, and I helped a little bit behind the scenes when when it came to ONAP and and how that came about. It's a different mindset, and even when they talked about some of the biggest to the biggest European operators, the question that came back was like, "Oh, and what if I need that?" And then the reply was, "Well, then you build it yourself," but. But we don't have that capability, right? And so it, it requires it's everybody to get smarter, right? Or to get a really good system integrator there. And Rakuten wants to jump into that system integration and open RAN in a box thing. And it will be interesting to see how that plays out. Well, well, we'll continue to monitor developments on open RAN. I think we've had a good conversation here today. Thank you, Mike, for being on the podcast. And and thanks as always, Roger. Thank you. Thank you. 